Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. If you have a Bible this morning, we're going to do something different. Um, this is a true story, and I just want you to know, this is how I'm starting out 2023. Completely, I missed it, okay? I just need you to know. Um, I really thought there was no child care today at all. Because when we had staff meetings, apparently, that I slept through, um, I, I thought that we had planned out this one. There's preschool child care down the hall, not normal, you know, our full slate. But um, So I prepared like there was going to be small children in the room, which means it's a lot shorter. So all of you sinners, open your Bible, okay? Uh, the, 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 the abnormal part is this. Uh, normally, we kind of take one particular text and we just kind of work it. I just, uh, over the past, um, I don't know, month or so, I just had a, a note file that said, what do I think the Spirit wants to say to us as a church on this particular day? And as things kind of landed in my heart, I wrote those things down. So uh, we're going to look, if you are used to the Bible app, you can actually see there's four different uh, places where we're going to look in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, but we're going to look at four different things, and uh, it's four things to remember. These are not resolutions. They've been there for a long time. Uh, these are not revelations. You probably have heard these before. Um, it's an invitation to remember. Uh, Peter, in his letters, actually two different times, says, I'm stirring you up by way of reminder. Uh, you've heard me, if you've been around, use this illustration before. If you make sweet tea, uh, well, excuse me, if you make unsweet tea sweet by trying to pour the sugar in it after the ice is already in it, what do you consistently have to do? You consistently have to stir it because the stuff settles. There are times in our lives where things settle. And so may today be a, a stirring. Four things to remember, four different um, kind of passages in Matthew. Just try to keep up, okay? Here we go. Um, because I'm short today, right? I'm like it's, Okay, Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. And that evening, uh, they brought him many who were oppressed by demons. He cast out the spirits of the word, and he healed all those who were sick. This was to fulfill what the prophet, uh, what, what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. First thing to remember, uh, Jesus is in the business of wholeness. Wholeness. Um, he came to destroy the works of the devil. That's what um, the, the book of uh, 1 John says. Um, and he came to set free those who were oppressed by the devil. That's, that's Acts 10. Over and over and over again, we see this. Jesus is in the business of wholeness. Um, he came primarily um, to deal with our sin because it is our sin that makes us broken in the first place. All the consequences and all the fallout, all the junk that is in our lives, all the darkness that is there, all of that happens because of sin. So he came primarily to deal with sin. And how did he do so? He did so by living a perfect life, dying as a perfect sacrifice, and then rising again as the perfect risen Lord, guaranteeing eternal life, forgiveness, um, freedom, and a new family to all who put their trust in him. That is true. And, and, not, not but, but and. In addition to dealing with our spiritual illnesses, with our spiritual brokenness, he came to deal with all the rest of our brokenness too. Jesus is in the business of wholeness. And this is what he's always been about. I just want to point you backward to verse 17. This is what was written uh, this was to, excuse me. This was what uh, was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our um, illnesses and bore our diseases. Meaning, like eight centuries before Jesus shows up on the scene, when Isaiah is prophesying, he's talking about this, and he's saying the Messiah has come to bring wholeness. 
Wholeness in our relationships, wholeness in our uh, emotional life, wholeness all throughout, wholeness. In a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll pray that God would bring healing um, to people and during our prayer time. We believe he can because he does stuff like this to fulfill what was spoken. And here's the thing. The first two stories in the book, of, in the, uh, Matthew chapter 8, uh, the first one, well, just look. Uh, just look at the headers here um, right over the big 8 right here in my Bible. What's it say? What does yours say? Jesus what? He, he, yeah, he heals a leper. Uh, leprosy was the disease that, for the untouchables. There's no condition that's untouchable to him. Church family, there's no condition that's untouchable to him. None. He came to bring wholeness. And furthermore, the second, uh, well, mine says the faith of a centurion. If you're not familiar with this story, centurion um, comes to Jesus. He's like, look, man, I got somebody sick in my house. I really need them. I really need you healed. He's like, good, I'll come with you. He's like, no, no, no. You don't even have to do that. I know that if you speak the word, it'll get done. Like, there, there's no, like, you don't even have to, have to show up. And Jesus was like, look, this cat right here, he's got more faith than all of these people behind me. Be like this guy. There's no condition. That's the leper. There's no distance. There's no distance that is untouchable for Jesus. No person is untouchable. No distance makes a person untouchable. I just want you to know that Jesus is in the business of wholeness. Please remember that. As we step forward into 2023, please remember that. Second, I, I told you we're going to go fast. Matthew 9. Well, if you turn two pages, you don't get to read the right part. Matthew 9, verse 35. <clears throat> Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. It's a good news when Jesus reigns. That's the good news. Um, and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Second thing I want you to remember is that the harvest, I think it's good for us to remember, uh, the harvest lacks laborers, not opportunities. I say that to say 2022 was crazy, yeah? Anybody have a crazy 2022? Hey, 2023 is going to be crazy in some ways too. 2021 was nuts. 2020, really nuts. I mean, like exceptionally nuts. 2019, maybe not as nuts, but still, it had some crazy to it. Listen, the world has always been crazy. I get into conversations with people. I had one even this past week. Um, folks of a, and I, this is not a knock, but folks of an older generation who are longing for what they remember, but time has a way of like filtering out some of the craziness. You with me on this? Like it kind of sanitizes um, uh, our, our own history or our own remembrances of history. And so they say, golly, I just wish you could go back to it. I mean, go back to the way that it was. Like when, da, 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 da. you know, like you start naming names. They're like, no, no, not that part. I want this other part. The world has always been nuts. It's not any worse today than it was then. Media may help us know about it more, but it's always been nuts. It's always been terrible. It's always been crazy. Why? Because sin is in the world. 
and brokenness is in the world. And because sin and brokenness are in the world, guess what? All the consequences, all the reverberations, all the ripples, all the things that push and, and, and move people and, and dislodge them from their you know, equilibrium, whatever it may be, all of that existed, exists today, and is going to exist this coming year. All of it. The problem is not with the world, folks. The world is the world. When Jesus comes along and says the harvest is plenty, his only critique is the laborers are few. We don't lack opportunities. It's not harder to share the gospel today than it was a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, or a hundred years ago. The only thing that's lacking is laborers, not opportunities. I'm going to set this little pyramid before you. You'll probably see it more often this year than maybe we have in the past. Um, I'm setting this out as a consistent challenge to our church family. I think the spirit wants to challenge us to say, hey, let's remember what we're about here. Yes, the world is crazy, but um, we want people to understand uh, what Jesus is about and that he is God in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases, according to Psalm 115. So um, as an expression of that, we're going to have this culture of invitation. We just consistently invite people to church. That's the baseline expectation of everybody sitting in the room. Secondly, that we get an opportunity to tell our story. This is how God sustained me. This is how I have encountered his mercy. This is how I have seen his power. This is how he has moved in me to transform me to make this happen. This is how whatever it may be. You get to tell your story. I have walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and here's what I know. I wasn't afraid, not because I'm so awesome, but because he was with me. You get the opportunity to tell that story. And folks, there's not a better story being told out there. Lastly, we get, uh, if God willing, we get an opportunity to share the gospel with people. We get an opportunity to invite people to put their trust in Jesus, the one who lived perfectly and who died sacrificially and rose victoriously. We're, we're going to have that out there. The harvest lacks laborers, not opportunities. Okay. When we go out and do these things, we will encounter doubt. That's true. Matthew chapter 11. Now, when John, that's John the Baptist, by the way, um, when John the Baptist uh, heard in prison, can we just pause right there? So sometimes you're doing the right thing and you're the right guy on the scene doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing and you still end up in a bad spot. Yeah. Sometimes that's the way that it goes. When John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by one of his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Can we just, again, let's just pause here. John the Baptist, forerunner of Jesus, cousin, if you will, also of Jesus. And he's, he's sending one of his guys going, look, man, I didn't think it was going to turn out this way. Are you the right, are you the right guy? I really hope you're the right guy, but like, are you... Because there are times when in our own lives, let's start with us. There are times when in our own lives, the circumstances did not turn out like we thought they were going to. Therefore, doubt comes in, creeps in. The voice gets a little loud in our ear and we're like, uh, is this right? And there are people in our world who, because of the brokenness in their lives, because of not just the sin, but also the reverberations of that, the consequences of that, the effects of that, they are also asking, what can I really count on? What can I really believe in? What, who is worth my allegiance? 
Are you the one who's come or shall we look for another? Verse 4, Jesus answered them, you go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not scandalized or offended by me. Third thing I want you to remember is that doubt, yours and others around you, is overcome how? By seeing and hearing. You go tell John what you hear and what you see. Go tell him what, you know, like, we're not putting together an argument. There's not a PowerPoint package that is going to pop up and be like, okay, these are the four things that you need to know in order to not doubt. This is not that. The, the experience of walking with Jesus and doing the things that he said are good to do, right to do, and important to do, that is what overcomes doubt. In your life, in my life, and in the lives of everybody around us. You, you want to... Um, um, up the ante, if you will, in terms of witness to those who do not know Jesus. Let's be the people who hear and see the things of Jesus, and it will trickle out as a result of that. Even John the Baptist doubted. That's like, doubt and faith are not antithetical to one another. There are people who genuinely struggle, so don't, nobody's fussing here. But the way we wrestle with that, the way we deal with that is to go, look what we see. Hear what he has said. Doubt is overcome by seeing and hearing. Last thing. Told you it was fast. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 44. The kingdom of the heavens... It's like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. In his joy, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. So this, Jesus is <clears throat> excuse me, telling several parables in, in a row here about what the kingdom is. He is not talking about you. You are not the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the place where his rule and his reign is, is fully exercised. And so um, when he comes along and says, the kingdom of the heavens is like this, we need to be thinking not of ourselves, but about our participation in what Jesus is doing in the world. So he says, hey, listen, you, you, you want to you wanna be someone who understands what I'm about? You want to be someone who, who gets it? You want, then you need to know this. The kingdom of the heavens is like a treasure hidden in a field. So the story goes. The guy's just walking along, stubs his toe on something after he's done doing the thing that we all do when we stub our toe. Hopping around on one foot, I'm sure that was it. He kicks it or something. Boy, that sounded weird. Digs around a little bit. There's a strange box here. Cracks the box open, packed full. I mean, like pirate's chest full. Gold, silver, rubies, gems of other stripes and colors and things that I can't even pronounce. It is just packed full. So he closes the box up, kicks some dirt back over it, goes immediately, sells everything that he has, and buys the field. Don't miss this part, though. He wasn't mad when he did it. The kingdom of heavens is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And then what? In his what? What's it say? In his, in his joy, he sold everything that he had to buy the field. A few chapters later, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is going to say this to his followers. You really want to be my disciple? Take up your cross every single day. On New Year's Day, when it's good to make resolutions, and on the day after that, when it's most typical, we break resolutions, right? 
Some of you have already gotten a head start. Like you going in this morning, you stopped by the donut shop. Perfect. Good. Let's go ahead and just admit our weakness here at the front end. Every single day, you deny yourself, you take up your cross, and you follow. Why? Because what good does it do for us to gain the whole world and lose our souls? Matthew chapter 16. The, the final thing is that Jesus is worth it. The kingdom of heaven is like a guy who stumbles onto a treasure in a field. And he's not mad about it. Church family, may we be ferocious in our joy, but also infectious in it. There's plenty of people who are mad about things that they believe in out there. We don't have to join them. In fact, the gospel is good news. And so it points us away from that to joy. In his joy, he sells everything that he has in order to buy the field. There will be a moment this year, no doubt, where you will have the opportunity to trade something in your hand, whatever it may be, in order to follow Jesus. There will be a moment, probably more than one, where you will say, you know what? I'm giving this up in order to follow Jesus. And it'll be a great trade. In your joy, you can do that. It may hurt just a little bit at the time. It may uh, feel a little weird to you in a moment. In your joy, you can sell everything that you have in order to buy the field. Why? Because he's worth it. He's worth it. And I just, I, that's the... That's the single thing I just want to proclaim over us as a church family. Jesus is worth it. And for some, 2023 is going to be awesome. And for some, it's going to be like, oh my God. He's worth it. He's worth it. One of the songs that has stuck with me and stuck with me and stuck with me, especially over the last half of the year, is um, Phil Wickham and the Maverick City Gospel Choir do this thing. I give you my worship, for you still deserve it. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy of it all. I pour out my praises in the breaking and the blessing. You're worthy, worthy of it all. Church family, he's worth all of it. And whatever we have to trade in 2023 in order to gain Jesus, it'll be worth it. He's in the business of wholeness in your life and the lives of those around us. He, um, he sends us out, puts us on mission because the, it's not the harvest that's the problem. We just like laborers, not opportunities. When we encounter doubt, we can point to what we've seen and what we've heard in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. And for every moment, we can say he's worth it. Amen. In his joy, he sells everything that he has, everything that he has in order to buy the field. So, happy new year. As we remember these things, step forward to these things, may our lives be deeply marked by them. I'm gonna pray. And then um, we'll have a song of response, get to sing about God's promises, uh, and a couple of announcements here at the end. Let's, let's pray together. Uh, Father, thanks for this.
um, it's a quick tour, but I think it's important. And so I, I simply pray that um, today over moms and dads, and husbands and wives, parents and grandparents, kids, sisters, brothers, friends, I, I simply pray that today you would bring a greater degree of wholeness. I pray um, that it wouldn't be a, a resolution that goes away in a week, but that, that you would help us to live on mission, knowing that the harvest is plenty, it's the laborers that are few. I pray, God, in our own lives that when we doubt or when we encounter doubt, that we would just, we wouldn't get mad about it, we wouldn't stress about it. We would just point. We would just point to Jesus. I pray, God, that no matter what we face today, no matter what comes this week, that um, we trade everything. Everything in the words of Paul, forgetting what's behind, counting everything as loss in order to gain you, to know you. Jesus, may that be our, may that be our experience, our pattern, certainly our resolution, but more than that, our rhythm for the year, trading everything in order to gain you. In our joy, may be so. And Father, we put this before you now. I pray that you would be at work in us by your spirit and in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Let's stand and sing about God's promise.